Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to another podcast episode with us here at Ilm Feed. I'm your host, Shabir Hassan. In this blessed month of Ramadan, subhanAllah, it's flying past. I hope everyone's been having an extremely, inshallah, uh, beneficial and productive Ramadan so far and I hope you've been enjoying the podcasts uh, that we've been putting out there to hopefully add some value to yourselves in this blessed month whether it's to do with acts of worship or whether it's to do with spirituality in general but here's the thing today we have got a very special episode for you and it's very relevant to the month of Ramadan because Ramadan is a month of the Quran and we must, of course, have a podcast episode which is dedicated to the Quran. It's just a must, right? Especially as we're approaching the end of Ramadan, there's a lot that we can kind of learn, inshallah, from today's episode uh, to implement and to kind of make use of those last few moments that we have in this month uh, and then how to kind of take it forward as well. Uh, outside of Ramadan, inshallah. So it gives me great pleasure to uh, introduce uh, a very dear brother of mine who I'm, I'm actually meeting for the first time, but I feel like I've known him for a long time myself. Uh, the founder of what you've probably heard of actually very recently because it's hitting the headlines most definitely, the founder of Quran Club, the Quran Club app, which we'll speak about later, inshallah. My dear brother, Ustad Talha Ghannam. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you? Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I'm good. Surviving uh, the past? Yes, yes. How's Ramadan going so far? It's good. Yeah, it's actually, I was worried about this Ramadan. Yeah. But it's actually been a lot easier than any other one. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I was just, we were just saying just before the show that we can't even, you know, offer you a glass of water, not even water, you know, the, the, the saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> can't offer you anything. But uh, alhamdulillah, for joining us. I know you've traveled down and um, you're fasting and mashallah, you know, you're doing, a, you're doing missions. In Ramadan, and I've uh, been traveling the whole month. Yeah, you've been, you've been traveling places. a lot, so right? It's in my jeans at the moment. Alhamdulillah, but you know that's. I think that's the beauty of, um, you know, when you're just serving the community, um, and the Quran, Subhanallah. Like I've realized, the Quran, like Allah honors people through the Quran. Mm. It's amazing when a person like loves the Quran. When a person, you know, goes out of their way to propagate and to promote the Quran. I feel like because like, I've met so many people that are, you know, in that field of Quran. I just feel like subhanAllah, the Quran opens up doors for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've, you must have seen that, right? Like just... I mean, I, I'm, I'm praying that I'm one of them. I mean, you, you have to be yeah, accepted inshallah. by yeah, Allah, right? So, um, and I think that's the thing. People, people think that I'm serving the Quran. I think it's Allah that's honored mm. us to be able to work in this field. You know, my job is to get people to read Quran. I mean, it's that's not, amazing, yeah. It's not many people that can kind of wake up every day and think, all right, this is kind of mind, body and soul alignment. Mm. Um, actually, one of the things about Ramadan is one of the few times where your mind, body and soul align because your mind, you can't eat, your body, yeah. you can't eat and your soul, you're kind of worshipping Allah. All of them are kind of geared towards that phase. But yeah, alhamdulillah, it's, it's been... Uh, it's been a great journey so far. It's been yeah. crazy growth, alhamdulillah. And it's yeah. been just uh, amazing to see Allah's tawfiq kind of coming in. And, and we're asking people to just continue to pray for us and to use the app, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay, so, um, I mean, with the Quran, I mean, this is the month of the Quran, right? So this is, a, this is a, I mean, so far, you know, we're coming towards the end of the month. Um, and it's gone by, of course, super quick. And I guess everyone has that feeling every single year. It's like, okay, this year is going to be the year. And then next thing you know, it's just like, you know, a few few days, few weeks go by and then we're into the last 10 days, uh, which is exactly, you know, the time that we're in now. Um, so 
a lot of people have been reading the Quran, but one thing I want to speak about is more of the connection with the Quran because a lot of people can read the Quran, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have a connection with it, or you could listen to the Quran, doesn't necessarily mean you have a connection with it. Does, does that make sense? Mm. So, I just want to start with having a connection with the Quran. Like, what does that mean to you? And um, maybe we could even speak about a few tips how to just help people sure. just make use of those last few days. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, I mean, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. Mm. Um, how do you begin a journey with the Qur'an? Uh, people think you're just suddenly going to open Qurtubi and start yeah. opening and receiving these divine inspirations and meanings. But it doesn't work like that. And the Qur'an doesn't reveal itself that way to you. Mm. Nor does it reveal to the Prophet ﷺ in that way. You know, the first word of the Qur'an, it wasn't i'lam, mm. it wasn't idras, it wasn't to know or to study. It was to read. Reading was the first commandment of Allah mm. Out of all commandments, it wasn't to pray, it wasn't to fast, it was yeah. to read. Um, and that's got me really reflecting quite a lot. Here's one of the greatest change makers by the testament of non-Muslims, mm. uh, who Michael Hart listed as number one as the most influential person. Uh, John Adair listed as the most influential leader, an example mm. of a leader. Uh, the first command Allah chose to give him was read. Um, and I think with that, you know, subhanAllah, is how I think you begin your journey of the Qur'an, how you begin your journey to come to Allah. Because if you read you then begin that path to beginning to know, then you mm. begin that path to beginning to reflect, and then naturally you begin that connection to the Qur'an. And most people ultimately see the, they see it as a mountain, uh, yeah. and a mountain is very difficult to climb. But if you see it as just taking one step after another, um, you have to realize the Qur'an has no end anyway. Mm. So it's a constant process of learning and understanding. Um, so how would you and how should you connect with the Qur'an? I think doing it in manageable chunks. Uh, one of the things within the Qur'an club is that we want people to read a single verse a day. Just commit to it. Uh, mm. Don't ever drop, no matter what you're doing, uh, that verse that you're going to read. We actually gamified it within the app, so you have a streak that you build. Mm. So every day you read, you're leveling up. And yeah. if you miss just one day, it goes back to zero. And we've had a few people who are like, oh, can you, can you reset it for me? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> but, um, but, it's, but the idea is to begin that journey, is mm. to, to begin with reading. And then after that, of course, open up the translation. Find one that you find comfortable with. Mm. There's, alhamdulillah, a lot of amazing translations right now. Um, and just begin to reflect uh, on various parts, understand what Allah is saying and why. Um, and then the greatest form of connecting to the Qur'an is just to take a moment to there's two ways to read the Qur'an as I'm sure you know or there's three ways specifically one is to just to get through the Qur'an yeah to read as much of the Arabic as you can uh, that's how Imam Abu Hanifa would read it twice a day I mean he wasn't yeah. reflecting on every letter and word mm. if he was doing it that quick the second is to read with an understanding a kind of a breadth approach so you want to understand different parts of the Qur'an what it's saying and how um the third is the depth approach, where you take a single verse and you reflect on it. The Prophet ﷺ was known for a single, uh, to, to reflect on a single verse for an entire night as he was uh -huh. praying in Tahajjud. Um, and to be crying and to be thinking, Imam Abu Hanifa kind of, and Imam <coughs> Shafi and have many of these great uh, imma have famous stories of how they reflected on a single verse and yeah. came up with many, many rulings and many things. Um, so it's about dividing your time so that on some days you're just reading Quran for the blessing. Mm. You're getting one letter as 10 rewards and you're just getting through it. And that's, yeah. a, that's a beautiful thing. 
Another day you think, look, I want to lead the translation today. I want to understand what it's saying. I need to get the grips of this. Mm. And then the third day you think, well, you know, actually, let me really reflect on this single verse. What have different scholars said? You know, what is the story of Iblis and his exile from paradise? You know, mm. why did that happen? What do the scholars have to say? What's the details of it? And that, I think, is when your Quran journey becomes much more powerful, much more inspiring, inshallah. Mm, see, because a lot of people in Ramadan especially, they do focus on the, the khatam aspect of yeah. things, which is it's trying sunnah, to... Right? Yeah, of course, so, yeah. it's sunnah. Prophet did it every Ramadan, yeah. n- uh, no doubt about it. And he used to read to Jibreel, yeah. which is like, like, can you just imagine that gathering, having the Prophet recite Quran to Jibreel? Yeah. Um, and which is great. That's what, And we're not, we're not kind of, you know, taking that away from anyone. We're very virtuous in and of itself. Actually, just recently I was reading, like, um, you know, like you're saying about the scholars of the past, how, how many khatams? It's just like crazy yeah. when you just think like how do they get the time with everything else that they were doing because it's not like they just sat there they had other responsibilities they had yeah. families they yeah, had yeah. like teaching they had they had to lead salah and then you just, uh, so I was reading about like Qatada rahimullah how in the first in the first part of Ramadan every three days he'd do a khatam so, so when you read that you're like okay every three days not too bad and then it says when, when the last ten days would enter it was every single day so I read that and I was like okay is doable, maybe three every three days, though maybe not for me, but I can understand. Yeah. And then you carry on reading, and then you read about uh, who is it, Imam al Bukhari, yeah. where every day, every day one khatam, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's like, that's crazy, yeah? So 30 done by the end of the month. And then I read about Imam al Shafi'i, his student says that, like, every Ramadan, two a day without yeah. fail, that's 60 khatam. They say it's the, a karama for him, you know? It's crazy, like, subhanAllah. So you just yeah. you kind of read stuff like that, and you're like, "How on earth did they manage to do it? Like, yeah. How much barakah did they have in there?" I mean, time? they say it's a gift that Allah gave them because it's yeah. like how just calculating the time to read yeah. sixty chapters of the Quran within twenty four hours. Yeah, Allah must have given a gift of bless, you know barakah yeah, in yeah, the time, yeah. which actually makes you think about it. People yeah. make an excuse that they don't have time to read Quran, and mm. they don't have time to. These people were the busiest of all people. I mean, the yeah. number of books they wrote. Uh, and the number of students they had and they mm. must have had an, an immense amount of responsibility to their communities um, but yet they, they managed to fit that in yeah. um, and then when we hear these <clears throat> out of the world numbers yeah. it just makes you think actually if I give time for Allah Allah gives time for me mm. you know, he, he opens up my time that's a good point so yeah so on the khatam point so that's one thing and then yeah. but one the, the thing that you're focusing more on is the reflection as well which is like the next stage yeah. um, reflecting over the Quran which I think a lot of people may be aren't doing or maybe they want to do but they just don't know how to go about it sure. you know some people are actually quite apprehensive and scared like i don't have knowledge mm. how could you possibly expect me to reflect over the quran shouldn't i have a teacher to guide me through that so what would your approach be maybe to just begin like for anyone out there maybe doesn't even understand arabic but um a complete beginner at this stage what would your uh, first kind of steps be yeah so we have a Sunday school uh, mm. and I've been teaching this year for about 60, 70 different students okay. on reflecting on the Qur'an. Uh, we came up with various different ways of what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And, mm. and you set out the rules of kind of uh, guidance as to what you can and can't reflect on. I said, look, you're not going to derive legal rulings from the Qur'an. So yeah. anytime you read something that's a legal thing, don't mm. begin to interpret it. Yeah. Appreciate it and then maybe ask your question in class and we can talk about it. Um, What your role to do is to try and derive kind of spiritual fawaid, Mm. uh, understandings 
beneficial aspects of the verse. And what we said was we came up with this lawnmowers approach, which you think was a lawnmowers, but it's okay. basically a series of different things you need to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of those as- is, a, is an aspect of a verse that you can look. So, uh, for example, an A is for look at another verse, another verse that relates to this verse mm. and how they're connected and why Allah has mentioned this in this particular part, that and another part. Mm. Um, you've got N for kind of the surah name. So what's the connection between the surah name mm. and this particular thing? You've got the names of Allah Azawajal. So one of the really interesting parts of a verse is the name Allah chooses to to begin it or end it or mention it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's stories of uh, people who'd recite the Quran and they'd make a mistake by saying the wrong mm. name at the end and someone would correct them. They said, well, how do you know? And uh, well, they said, well, it doesn't fit that this verse of yeah, ends yeah. with this name. So, Allah ghafoorun rahim versus Allah alimun hakim. That Allah is all merciful and forgiving. And a lot of people take that for granted, you know, yeah. at that point. It's really interesting how you just think this is random name. Like Allah just put random names at the end of verses. Ghafoorun yeah. rahim, tawabun rahim. But actually, you're right. Actually, if you look at the wider context of the, the verse or even that passage, yeah. it'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I think there's a famous story about this, actually. About this one famous grammarian, I think it's like Imam Al Asma'i maybe, yeah. um, <clears throat> and how he went to. Uh, this is literally off the top of my head, so I might, uh, uh, you know, don't fully quote me on this, but where he went, uh, he was in that desert, and then there's a few Bedouins there, and someone recited the Quran, uh, a verse about um, uh, about uh, the thief, Sadiqu Sadiqatu, Faqdaru Ibiyahuma. So basically, Allah just setting the law about theft, um, and then at the end of that verse, it's uh, Azizun Hakim. But the one who was reciting it said Ghafoor al-Rahim made a mistake. Yeah. And then the, the Bedouin, who literally had no knowledge of the Quran, was not Hafid, said, Oh, you made a mistake. It's not Ghafoor al-Rahim. Yeah. And the guy turned around and was like, how do you how could you possibly know? Like, cause that doesn't fit in with the context. Allah is laying down a law of yeah. theft and basically he's like asserting his authority here. Why would he say he's Ghafoor al-Rahim? Why would he say he's merciful? It should be Aziz and Hakim because He's saying like yeah. he's Aziz, he's Almighty, and he's all wise for laying down this law. Yeah. And the guy asked him, "Are you a Hafiz?" He's like, "No, I just know my Arabic language." Yeah. Probably that's the same story I was thinking about. Is it? I can, yeah, yeah. I can remember the word. Yeah, it's crazy, it's right? Yeah, basically, I mean, the thing is, is though, when you do that, so for example, um, uh, the famous one yeah. uh, in the Basmalah, Allah begins the surah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, mm. and I, I asked the kids, "Okay, what does what does that mean?" Yeah. And they go, oh, bro, there is the hands. Oh, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, most merciful. It's like, okay, firstly, what does gracious, what does merciful mean? They're like, <laughs> blank face. Yeah. I was like, okay, fine. Rahim, they both come from the stem, Rahma. Why is Allah mentioned the merciful, the merciful? Or why are you trying to create these distinctions between the words? What's the essence of the difference between them? Mm. Blank faces, no one knows. Uh, and I was like, the scholars have written books on this. So mm. why Allah begins this? And there's many, many things. Imam Razi mentions it's actually beginning the names of Allah, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, and Malik Al-Quddus, and carries mm. on. But one of the really interesting ones I, I kind of took a lot of benefit from is Bismillah, Rahman is a sigh of intensity. It kind of, it's very merciful, like the utmost mm. mercy you can possibly imagine. There's nothing greater than that level of mercy. And then Rahim is someone to be consistently merciful. That like if someone's Kareem, it's generous generosity. Someone's yeah. generous, not by giving once, but by giving all the time, every time. So Allah Azza when he's saying in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the ever merciful, it's probably a good translation. Yeah. He's Ar-Rahman, he's always the highest level, Ar-Rahim, consistently and always. Mm. But what you do is, I mean, these little gems, 
they don't come overnight. Often yeah. you have to open books and you have to listen to people. But what you can do is you can begin to see uh, where these kind of little gems are found and how Allah kind of puts specific words. There's a Sheikh uh, Kabisi uh, who we used to listen a lot to. He's on TV. Mm. He had a series <clears throat> where he would go through the words of the Quran okay. and he would use words that Allah would say in a particular place and say, why does he use this word and not the equivalent synonym? In the same place. Okay. So halumma, ta'alu, mm. right? They're, they're the same meaning. It was like come together or gather mm. together. Why does he use that in a specific place and this in a different place? And you get some fascinating insights. Mm. You know, this specific word has been chosen for this specific verse. So, I, I mean, I'll give an example which probably the listeners would really understand. Um, the famous verse of sadaqa. Mm. Yeah. Habba, right? Mm. The one who gives in the sake of Allah is like the one who gives a seed. Why does Allah use the word seed here? Like, okay. interesting, right? Mm. So you never really stop and think about it. Yeah. The analogy continues. It's like planting a seed and then it grows, you know, seven corns and each corn has a hundred seeds. But mm. why seed specifically? There's lots of different analogies you can give. Well, a seed, there's many. I did a, a series on this, like a reflection, but a seed... What do you do when you get a seed? You dig a hole, mm. you plant it in the ground and you cover it up. Yeah. Now imagine someone who never knew what a seed was and biology, like a five-year-old. And you just gave him this gift. You said, here's some seeds. And you say, look, in order for you to benefit and to use this to its true extent, you have to dig this hole, put the seeds in, cover it up and leave it. And every now and then you come and water it and look after it. What would they think? They think that's just... Madness, right? Mm. Why, why would I throw away? Imagine I gave you my iPhone. I said, look, bury it in the ground, mm. water it, and something amazing will happen. It just doesn't make sense. Mm. But then what happens? After you give that and you, you act on that, everybody knows that that's how you use a seed. That's where things mm. grow and that's where things come from. So when I give you £10 and I say to you, look, the actual way that you're meant to use this £10 is to give it in sadaqah. But not just give it in sadaqah, you have to follow up. You have to check up on the person. You have to plan around that strategy. It's not just give and go. Mm. I think a lot of people misinterpret the hadith of people giving secretly. It's giving secretly so you're not boastful. It's not giving Mm. secretly so you give and forget. Mm. But you plant it in the ground. You water it. And then what happens? It will give you much more Mm. seeds in the future. Just like we understand how a seed has that benefit. The same person who created the seed has created your money. So when he said give 10 pounds... Mm. you're actually going to get more in return just from a single word Mm. and there's there's lots and lots of other fawaid and benefits as well but I think that sort of reflection there's another one maybe the listeners can do it and comment but why has Allah said uh, why has he said hold tight to the rope of Allah Mm. you know he could have mentioned other analogies but why rope specifically Um, so these sorts of reflections I think really really interesting and I think uh, kind of diverged from your point you know, how do people actually sh- and should reflect yeah. the Quran's a journey it's about beginning a step and kind of taking it and I already mentioned about doing this every single day the, the first step for most of the people who don't speak Arabic is to just get a good translation there's Professor Abdel Halim there's Dr. Musharraf Hussain who's written a, a new one now mm. there's one by Mustafa Khattab in Canada who've written some kind of clear concise easy yeah. access we've integrated some of those into our app as well so people can read them but just begin by just as a first glance understanding what it is you're doing mm. and then secondly you know if you can find a teacher or find someone who you can sit with who can really 
open up some of these meanings for you, inshallah. Yeah, I think there's some really, really good, interesting points there, um, especially for the reflection side of things. Um, and translations as well, I think that's really important because I think, again, alhamdulillah, now we're getting the introduction of more clearer translations because people, again, were put off. Uh, I don't want to read like very old, archaic English, lo and behold and, yeah. you know, thy. So now the fact that we're kind of breaking things down, I think that's very important. Um, I think listening as well to different speakers is, is, is also really good, just to people who are, you know, even if it's one kind of topic in the Quran, just breaking it down. Because I think the more you sit with people who understand the Quran mm. and giving gems, like for example, you've mentioned quite a few there, mashallah. So imagine just sitting with someone like that or listening to a lecture mm. every day or every every now and now and again, um, where you're connecting with the Quran. I think it just in your own language it makes things so much just so much easier, so yeah. much easier to digest. So reflection of the Quran, that's great. Because again, we said we're in Ramadan, so we wanted something practical for the listeners and the viewers to kind of take yeah. away how they can engage with the Quran. But there's also we could say, uh, you know, there's a downside, there's a danger to that as well. You know, we've already mentioned going too deep into it, especially if you're not too well equipped, well versed with the Quran, mm. um, you know, coming up with your own interpretations. Where where do you draw the line before, like, a person could be in deep reflection uh, over a verse and then come out with 70 of their own, uh, not rulings, like sure. we said, don't go into the rulings. I think, uh, by the way, that's a very good principle to begin with for anyone <laughs> listening to that. Okay, Surah Al-Baqarah, for example, you're going to come across like, had hundreds of legal rulings so that side of things leave it to the experts and the people of knowledge and the fuqaha but um just in general like you mm. said the fawaid the benefits the gems the wisdoms in the quran like where would you kind of draw the line i mean first of all the command to reflect isn't from me or from you it's from yeah, allah yeah, has a gem of course mm. did they not reflect <clears throat> in the quran or is, it, or is it come down on kind of locked hearts or paraphrasing the translation mm. but the key thing is how and what and where do you draw the line? Mm. And the answer to that isn't straightforward. Uh, the the best answer I can give is find a teacher who can mm. you can a- approach and ask whenever you do have a question or you do have an understanding and someone who can guide you through yeah. the way. But I know that's not always accessible, especially yeah. nowadays. Many people aren't necessarily qualified and or accessible. Um, so there's a lot of good series you can do which guide you as to where and what you can kind of learn and reflect on and, and how that works. I think um, any time you sense that you're kind of going into a territory that you're unsure about, uh, like we said, don't go into any legal rulings. You're not that, that's a science in itself. How to mm. derive rulings? I'll give you an example um, for those listeners. Uh, the the famous verse of wudu. Yeah. Uh, right. So uh, Allah is commanding people when you want to go and pray, go on. Wash your face and hands to the elbow and wipe. And he says, Biru usikum here. Mm. Now, this letter, Ba, single letter in the Quran, scholars have differed. Mm. And there's the formation of the four madhabs, each one giving a different ruling on what they interpret this Ba to be. The Hanafis interpret it in the context of a hadith, saying it's referring to the forelock. The front mm. head and they say you have to wipe a quarter of the head mm. the shafis say it's actually referring to the ba'diyah just referring to a single strand of hair would mm. be sufficient to complete mm-hmm. your wudu because you're just doing a thing and the malikis say it's actually za'ida it's not necessary and you have to wipe the entirety of the head or not necessarily is the wrong word but it's 
wiping the entirety of the head is the obligation here. Mm. A single letter, you get three different interpretations. Mm. Now, why have they got those interpretations is the key, because they're all looking at different methodologies, different contexts, and you don't have access to that. In fact, probably most of us don't even stop and think, what's this bar? Yeah, yeah. So for us to start picking out legal rulings is dangerous. But what mm -hmm. you can do is when Allah <coughs> says, um, Have you seen the one who denies a deen? Not religion, a deen here is the judgment. Mm -hmm. And then what's the first thing when someone says, do you deny accountability? The one who ignores the rights of the orphan or kind of mm. oversees the rights of the orphan. Why is he mentioned orphan is the first thing as Allah taking judgment? That you can reflect on. You know, mm. Why is he specifically mentioning these examples? Why is he mentioning not giving food to those in need? Yeah. Yeah. Then why does he immediately go fawailun lil musallin? Then he curses those who pray. Which is, wait, what? <laughs> how, how can you curse someone who prays? And then Allah continues, sahun. <laughs> those who, when they pray, they're heedless. They're yeah. not paying attention. And why, what's the connection between that and the earlier verses mentioned? That's what people should be reflecting on. That's mm. a spiritual benefit. It's a immense thing that you can gain. Um, and I think that's a somewhat rough schema. Mm. Um, but it's important, I think, people feel comfortable to be able to open the Quran and read. And it's important that they have access to someone who they can go to to ask their questions. Mm. I, till today, have been studying for about eight, nine years now. Mm. Um, but I still go to my teacher and ask him, what does this mean? How does yeah. this mean? And so on. It's, it's difficult. And I would never see myself as a scholar just because I know what a scholar means. Mm. But having the ability to, or the comfort to go to the Quran and derive its meaning, I think is really, really nice. I'll, I'll finish with one story. It kind of, there's a, a friend of mine who was applying for jobs, mm. applying, applying, applying. We all know what it's like. It's very yeah, stressful. Yeah. Kept failing, kept getting rejection, rejection, rejection. And he thought, this is, this is just not working. And then once he landed an interview, the interview well got invited to the next round. And then he was in the final round, the last stage. He's like, inshallah, I'll get this. Mm. So then he kind of uh, went to the interview, thought it went well, came back home. And he got a call, picked up the phone. And they said, unfortunately, you haven't got the job. Mm. So he was broken hearted. So he thought, I'm going to seek comfort in the Quran. So he went to the Quran and he opened it and he opened to the first verses. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the Quran, whichever is the first verse I read. This is like Allah talking to mm. me. He opened it up and the first verse he saw was the Surah Al-Naml. Mm. <laughs> the decree of Allah has already come, so don't rush it. Mm. I mean, that is a reflection of the Quran. Mm. You know, that, that connection with the Quran I think is what we need to establish just an ability to turn to it in moments of need and turn to it in just mm. daily activity so to speak, the saying. Quran speaks to everyone differently doesn't it Yeah. because everyone's going through their own set of trials and, and problems so it's, it's it's amazing how one person could find one benefit in, in a particular verse and another person reading it could find and we're not saying either is right or wrong just saying that, like that's what you know, how it relates to you yeah. in your particular life, which I think is, I think that's the beauty of the Quran. It's universal throughout all times, throughout all ages, different people from different walks of life. You know, even in the time of the Prophet, and whether it was your Abu Bakr as your closest companions, whether it was a Bedouin or whether it was a poor companion, like everyone came together through the Quran. And um, since you're mentioning stories as well, because um, 
as we're talking about reflections in the Quran, I think that's actually probably one of the best places to start is stories in the Quran, isn't it? Mm. Um, because of course, if you jump straight into like said Baqarah or the a surah which naturally is going to have a lot of legal rulings, then it might be more difficult to reflect. But if you go to the stories, uh, which actually Subhanallah was probably in the Meccan era, that's Allah was revealing mainly stories, isn't it, to kind of soften the hearts and strengthen the iman of the mm. believers. Um, mainly it was stories before the the Medinan period where a lot of the legal rulings were coming down. Mm. So I think that's, I, for me, like when I when I kind of, you know, when I'm in classes, when I speak, when I discuss to other people, I always mention this point, like there's like, that's kind of like Allah teaching us where to begin him, you know, himself, he's showing us like new, very new Muslims, people who have just come into Islam, into the faith in Mecca at the time, they're mm. struggling, they're going through their sets of problems, they're getting, you know, tortured oppressed psychologically mentally abused um and you know they're, they're kind of struggling they're trying to find their feet so allah is like revealing stories of previous prophets and nations how they went through their trials mm-hmm. and tribulations and that kind of strengthened their hearts as allah says in the quran and then later on after 13 like 14 years then the legal rulings start coming down so maybe that's kind of teaching us as well like yeah. if when you start your journey start with stories mm. um and there's so many stories in the Quran. I mean, surah yeah. Yusuf, one of my personal favorites. I think just from that surah, like uh, I don't know if you know the Sheikh that's done the PhD on it, on Surah Yusuf, and I he took yeah. a thousand lessons from Surah Yusuf. Oh really? Yeah. I have to find that. Yeah, it's a, I haven't found the paper yet, but like, can you imagine? And he, yeah, he's he's a contemporary scholar. Oh wow! But he's done a thousand lessons just on Surah Yusuf. Yeah. And it's not a long like Surah Yusuf is not a long surah at all. Yeah. Uh, compared to the the bigger surahs towards the beginning of the Quran. Yeah. So I think stories is amazing. Like you can just sit there, literally, um, read a story, and just think, "Wow, why did why did Allah test Yusuf like this?" You know, just from the beginning of the story with that relationship between Yusuf and Yaqub, the father and son relationship, mm. you could just sit there and reflect. As yeah. a parent, you could take so much away from it. Yeah. As a ch- as a son or as a daughter, you could take so much away from it. So different people can come together yeah. and take so much away. So what do you think about like uh, stories in the Quran? Uh, as like a, a starting point or just in general like what's your favorite story by the way in the quran <laughs> I might as well ask Fav- well. favorite favorite is tough i was actually i, I was <laughs> apprehending that question is it anticipating it. I, was like, <laughs> I don't know there's a story i was thinking about recently yeah. um and it's because of because of the devil being locked away mm. i was thinking actually about the story of iblis and that situation i mean here's a person who I mean, people claim they don't believe in Allah because they don't see him. Here's a person who stood in front of mm. Allah, who spoke to Allah. Yeah. Um, and he didn't believe. Like, can you imagine Allah commanding you directly to do something? Mm. And then you just go, no. Mm. I mean, what kind of level of arrogance is that? But what I think it does is it opens up a lot of the psychology of disbelief as to where it actually stems from. Mm. And people actually making an excuse. Because he gave the most eloquent excuses for why I didn't believe. And had this just been this, they've said that he was asked, why didn't you prostrate? He goes, how can I prostrate to other than Allah? Mm. And it was kind of, uh, if Allah's commanded you to do something, the essence of slavehood is that you obey him. Mm. Yeah, not, not question why or bring yourself into it. Mm. Um, so there's a fascinating discussion. Uh, is it in the beginning of Surah Al-Araf? Where the uh, discussion between Allah Hazujal and Iblis mm. uh, takes place as to why I why did you not obey me? And he says I'm better than him. Mm. Uh, I, I was created from fire and he was he was made from clay. And even if that was true, what it does is it shows a lot of the psychological elements of the the the, mm. the, 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 the 
imperfections of uh, kind of disbelievers and, and believers that they think that these external things matter. Mm. But what's interesting is the contrast between Adam alayhi salam, Iblis and the angels, because all three spoke to Allah Azza wa mm. and all three were in that setting. And Allah often gives stories in threes actually, like three examples, which is we know as a psychological tool is a very powerful yeah. thing. So angels had no will, they, <clears throat> they had to obey. Iblis had a will and disobeyed. And Adam had a will and sought forgiveness mm. for the mistake that he did. Similarly, in Surah Tawbah, you had the story of the three people who didn't go on the expedition the Prophet mm. asked them to do. One had a valid excuse because they were blind and they weren't able mm. and they were crying. The second were the, the hypocrites who didn't want to go and made their excuses. And then the third were those who were sinful and repented. Mm. So look at the way that Allah gives these. One is the people who obey and do it. Yeah. The second is those who don't want to do it in the first place. Mm. And the third is those who don't do it and then regret it. Mm. And I think that theme, be interesting to see how that appears within the Quran yeah. and the consistency within that of the, the, the kind of the three states of human beings, those mm. who deny, those who obey, and those who regret. Mm, very interesting. There's so much. That's the thing we were just saying before the, the show is like the Quran is is never ending, isn't it? Yeah. It's just when you start your journey, I think a lot of people think, OK, let me just study for this amount of years and, and that's it. I'll get it. It's not it doesn't work like that, because the more you open up the Quran and you reflect over it, yeah. the more subhanAllah that you, you find there's actually so much that you can pull from it. Yeah. Like every time I go back to a surah that I've already read on like I always learn something new. There's always going to be one tafsir, a new tafsir that you read with different perspective from a different scholar. Mm. And you're just like, wow, your mind is blown. Like yeah. I thought I knew what this verse meant. But now I've just got a complete new different perspective on it. Yeah. So I think again, like anyone that's kind of starting that journey to, towards um, just trying to reflect over the Quran should never think, okay, it's, 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 it's a very short term thing. It's long term. Mm. Uh, and I guess, <clears throat> again, a lot of people feel frustrated as well that, um, you know, I'm, I'm still very behind. I can't finish the Quran. I can't. Yeah. But I, I don't think you can really finish it in that sense. You, know, yeah. you, can, mem you can finish memorizing it. You can finish reading it. Uh, but you can't finish learning and studying. And yeah. You can't finish reflecting. I mean, with, with the Quran Club, the, we set up this app yeah. to build a community around the Quran. Mm. So we can help each other, we can learn from each other. And ultimately, because the endeavor requires us to come together to do it. Yeah. The hadith of the Prophet is Sahih Muslim is that people come together to read the Quran and study it together. Mm. The two go hand in hand. Um, and the first verses of the Quran, as I mentioned already, were the words read, iqra. Mm. Allah wants to build a community around the essence of reading Quran. And for the Quran Club, that's why we're doing it that way. To read together, to reflect together, and to really benefit together. Mm. I mean, I can't think of a better way for Muslim community to come together than through the Quran. Mm. Imagine if the way I connect with you isn't through uh, kind of WhatsApp or Facebook or Instagram. But it's through the Quran. We mm. kind of come together, we can reflect on this particular passage and, and so on and mm, so yeah. forth. And it becomes this new way of connecting. I say this analogy to people all the time. I say there's a, there's a book that 1.5 billion people read every single day. And they've literally changed the world. You know, governments opening the doors for them. And they're constantly considering these people. They're trying to pander to their needs. Mm. The problem is it's called Facebook. It's not called Quran. It's not called Quran book. <laughs> I thought you were going for the Quran. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is if imagine if we as Muslims, yeah. if the dunya, if this world can open up such doors for someone who reads something that's 
so artificial intangible like mm. Facebook imagine what Allah will do if we connect and we read the Quran the Quran book together mm. not only will we have the, the world opening up for us we'll have the, the heavens opening up for us yeah. there's a hadith of the Prophet uh, which actually so uh, the, the new imam in Cambridge mentioned this he goes you know the hadith where the angels are sent to roam around the earth to yeah. attend gatherings of paradise mm. um, and the gatherings are people who come together to study together and to remember yeah. Allah specifically he said for the first time ever on this app, we've literally got a worldwide gathering. I mean, literally yeah. at any moment you open the app from our end, we've got between one and 2000 people reading at that moment. And we know people read at different times, mm. but that's the, that's the lowest it gets to. So literally every single second, you can just join in a gathering. That's a gathering of paradise that's taking place around the world. Mm. So there's these angels you can just imagine flying around, trying to gather and attend these gatherings, alhamdulillah. What was the the vision behind Quran Club then, and and how how did how did you start? I mean, it's it started as a WhatsApp group. Um, WhatsApp group, okay. Yeah, it, it came from a, a friend who sent me a message <clears throat> and said, um, "Why don't we do this thing where we send each other verses and mm. we confirm that we've read it and we could read together?" Okay. And my initial reaction was, "Oh, not another WhatsApp group." <laughs> and then I didn't like that, so I thought, well, "Let me volunteer to do it." Um, and then it, it kind of 20 people joined uh, mm. and I thought, well, if we're sending it to 20 people, what, how much harder can it be to send it to more people? Mm. So we just did a post telling people this is what we're doing. And overnight, we've got about 5,000 people. Wow. Um, that's now about 20,000 people on that group. <laughs> so wow. WhatsApp, once it gets to those numbers, becomes very, very difficult. Mm. Uh, so we thought we have to create an app. So we studied it a bit and we kind of looked into it. And the idea is look, there's 1.8 billion Muslims. Mm. We're all very strongly connected with one another, yeah. both in our faith, but almost, you know, literally, some of our closest friends and stuff will be Muslim. Mm. The Prophet described us as one body. Nice. But yet there isn't a single space online for Muslims to meet together and connect. Uh, people have done it all the time. They've tried to. They've created mm. spaces for Muslims. But it's quite a loose definition to say, look, Muslims come here. So what we thought is what brings Muslims together? Well, the hadith, as I mentioned before, is that the Qur'an brings people together. You know, the Prophet mm. praised people who come together to read the Qur'an. Mm. So we thought, why don't we build our community around the Qur'an? Every single person coming and they just read their Qur'an together. Mm. And then the second motivation was this idea of multiples, of, of earning more reward. Uh, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in, in, in Tirmidhi where he states that a person who guides someone, mm. the one who guides and encourages someone to do a good deed is like the one who does the good deed themselves. Yeah. We all know the power of social kind of movements and people coming together. So mm. if we can create a movement where people come together to read, then we'll be sharing their reward. Mm. So if you're reading by yourself, you're just... Inshallah, getting the benefit. But if you're following what the Prophet told us to, which is to read together and gain in that benefit, then you'll share the reward of everyone who comes to take part because mm. hopefully you've encouraged them to take part with you. So for me, I actually started at the same place you mentioned at the beginning, which is reading the stories of Imam Shafi finishing the Quran twice a day. Yeah. I was like, how can I compete with that? <laughs> and I thought the one thing we have to our advantage in this day and age is the number of Muslims. So mm. why don't we use that? to make something beneficial so if we get the one billion people yeah. in the world today reading quran together which is mind-blowing that's mm. more people than have lived probably the last 500 centuries right mm. so we can do more together and we can really compete with those earlier generations inshallah mm. by trying to earn good deeds by doing things in that volume and the second and the, the final thing is i really wanted a way to 
make this dean and specifically scholars um, accessible. Um, I wanted to facilitate for them to really get out there and to enable them to be within the community. Mm. And I thought the way that has to work is that there has to be some form of business model, some form of venture, which is pushing money into scholarship. Mm. So if we can create a social media, a place where people are coming together to read Quran, in order to improve that product, you have to invest in the Quran, which means you're investing in scholars, which means that it, we're constantly going to be producing new tafsirs. Mm. We're constantly going to be making new videos. We're going to bring more scholars. We're going to bring masjids on board and all these things. And it becomes really, really exciting because we've created a vehicle that is naturally going to be investing into these sorts of things and investing the kind of sums that you can't do on a voluntary basis. Mm. So there's a big vision. Uh, we've planned it out for the next inshallah. few years, inshallah. But this Ramadan is kind of critical. So especially when now we're in the last 10 nights, yeah. we've kind of got this challenge that uh, we've got this amazing feature. It's called the Guarantee Laid Khadr feature. Okay. And what you can do is you can automate your giving every night of the last 10 nights to guarantee you catch Laid Khadr. So you just go nice. on the app and you say, I'm going to give £10 every night. Mm. And then automatically our app will take £10 from the account that you give mm. uh, such that you're guaranteed to catch it because you've given £10 every single night. Mm. So it's a, it's a really cool feature and we've got various other things. But what we're trying to do is to show the world that Muslims come together around the Quran. Mm-hmm. And if we can show that, then inshallah, we really begin to open up doors and we can build lots of features and produce lots of tafsirs and content, inshallah. Inshallah, sounds amazing. Um, so this Ramadan, what's it been looking like so far in terms of like the engagement, the Muslims from around the world it's coming been together? Cra- it's been yeah. crazy. I could never have kind of predicted it, but we've passed a quarter of a million downloads. Really? Uh, that's a quarter of a million people reading Quran on the app. And inshallah. we know every single verse, who it was read by, when in which country, in which city, their gender, their age, as long as they give the information, of course. But it's been insane. I mean, we're reading upwards of a million verses a day. Wow. Ayahs of Quran. We've got this, uh, we found this phenomenon, which I find really funny. We call it the school run. So between 2 and 3 p.m., there's a surge of reading on the app. And basically, our, our idea is that we think it's the mums or the dads that go and pick up their kids <laughs> on the school run, waiting for their kids. They open up the app and start reading Inshallah. Quran. Um, so we're seeing people reading Quran in, in a way they've never done it before. And what's really beautiful about reading it on the Quran Club is you can take it with you wherever you go. Yeah. So it's no longer just a book that's at home, but yeah. in those micro moments where you're waiting, like waiting for the school run, mm. you can just pull out your phone, read one, two three ayahs a couple of pages and then close it and then pick it up next time you go to the shops next time you go for iftar at someone's Mm. you've constantly got it with you and i think that makes it something that's very very unique uh in the sense of your khatam and your reading is there wherever you go uh which is which is much better than they're kind of a must-have in that sense. Mm. So yeah, the the stats have been incredible. Um, we've got a million-page target. We've also got a million-pound target to try and raise money for charity. Mm. And at the moment, we're smashing the page target. Uh, inshallah, the money target picks up as well. But we want to really try and make a positive impact on the world, inshallah. And the money's all going, it goes to charity, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. So. Oh, it sounds amazing. I actually downloaded the app uh, this Ramadan, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Uh, it's very beneficial. And I think... It's what's needed, most definitely, because it's not just the app, which is, it's not just a Quran app where you're just reading. There's so many different other features yeah. as well. Um, so I think, uh, mashallah, it's amazing. And 
I pray that Allah Taala blesses you guys for, for the amazing work that you've been doing, mashallah, with Quran Club. Amen. And of course, anyone listening and watching definitely has to, because mashallah, the Umfid family all over the world now, mashallah, mashallah, different parts of the world. So this is not just for people here in the UK. Anywhere you are, inshallah, make sure you download the app and and it's reading Quran into the day in this month of Ramadan, these last final 10 days, inshallah. Let's make use of it, let's take advantage. Um, I wanted to kind of... Uh, end with um, some advice because Ramadan is of course soon will come to an end and of course we pray that Allah accepts all of all of our actions throughout this month inshallah um, but since we're on the topic of the Quran does Quran Club uh, the app does it uh, automatically delete itself on Eid day after Ramadan <laughs> or does it carry, carry on it's, it's, a, it's a whole year it's, thing it, right it, it's a whole year yeah thing. okay cool that's good that's that's good to know because it seems like some a lot of us we just delete the app in our yeah. in our own hearts sometimes yeah. um, it's very difficult to keep up the Quran yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that you know like as if I'm undermining or looking down on anyone like I myself struggle yeah. like the the kind of motivation I have in Ramadan to recite the Quran the way I'm on it right now I don't have that outside of Ramadan mm. so how would you what would your tips be to someone um, to kind of carry on that journey after Ramadan what I would you say it's it's uh, it's all about sustainability it's all about having the foresight to be able to predict okay I'm not going to be doing a khatam mm. every month realistically it's, it's, I barely can read a page at yeah. the moment so just begin by committing to reading even a single verse a day mm. um, on the app on the Quran club we've got this street feature every day you read you're leveling up mm. but open it up every day just make sure you read a single verse and just see how far you can get and before in, in no time You'll be finishing the Quran once, twice, three times a year, inshallah. And you'll find yourself picking it up. Um, and the second thing is that the Quran is with you wherever you go. And use and make use of the micro moments, mm. we call it. Um, a friend of mine, Hassan Shibli, uh, he described mm. it as, you know, this micro moment of, you know, when you're on the bus and you're waiting. It's rather than opening Instagram or Facebook or... Yeah. Open up the verse of the Quran and read just like you do in Ramadan. Because it's mm. funny because most people in Ramadan do it. But yeah. outside Ramadan, they forget. Um, so you make the use of those moments in between the moments. So when mm. you're walking to something, most people now are probably walking and looking at their phone. They shouldn't be. They should be looking <laughs> at the road. But read the Quran in those moments. When you're waiting for someone, read the Quran. Um, and actually something really exciting uh, with the Quran Club, we're actually planning to use all the... Because we gather a lot of data of people mm. reading and stuff, and <clears throat> as long as they submit it to us. Yeah. We're going to use like the most advanced behavioral theory and kind of technology to try and... In the same way Facebook makes you addicted to opening it regularly, we're going to try and do that with, with the Qur'an. So, obviously in a positive way, but getting mm. people to read and engage the Qur'an and creating incentives within the Qur'an Club app. Mm. So, we're trying to use technology to help facilitate it, to combat some of these negative forces that are at play in the world. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all down to your own will. Um, so, if you make the task smaller... yeah. Just say it's a verse a day. Um, we've had the WhatsApp group I, I mentioned we started four and a half years ago. We've now completed the entire Quran cover to cover uh, almost one and a half times. And I know for a fact, many of the people who've been reading with us never read the Quran before. Mm. They've told me that. They said the only Quran they read is through that WhatsApp group um, and now through the, WhatsApp, the Quran Club app. But mm. it's what? We sent them half a page a day with the translation. And they just do that every single day. And they got through it in no time. Mm. And 
Subhanallah, that's that's how Allah benefits things. You know, the Prophet said, "Qalilun tadumu alayhi min kathirun." Uh, come with the ending there. So, but a small amount that you are consistent on is greater than a large amount that you're inconsistent mm. on. Um, so it's all in the small deeds, inshallah. <clears throat> inshallah. I think that's a great piece of advice to end on. Um, to continue, inshallah, the journey of the Quran after Ramadan by um, reciting. Uh, even if it's a small amount every single day, I think that's I think it's very realistic for most of us because everyone's just so busy nowadays and everyone's just you know got so many commitments that they're trying to juggle. So yeah, I think it's just a realistic way of keeping in touch with the Quran rather than you know um, just completely putting it to a side. Or well, nowadays it's not the book. Nowadays it's the apps like Quran Club where it's just kind of inactive for a year or so. But inshallah, we pray that Allah allows us to become people of the Quran. Inshallah. Ustad uh, Talha, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks like for having think. me. Thank you so much. Um, in the month of Ramadan, I know it's it's a difficult one, but uh, you didn't fall asleep, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Um, and um, even in terms of the Quran Club, I wish you all the best. I've been following your journey, even on your personal page, just to see the growth, mashallah. And it's yeah. just every day it's growing, um, which is, um, I'm honestly very proud to see. And I pray that Allah SWT continues to bless you guys again. All of our own feed viewers, listeners, please, inshallah, do download the app uh, and read the Quran and build your connection with the Quran because, especially for those of you who are struggling, you feel like you need to take time out. Uh, and on previous podcast episodes, we've spoken about that embedding that spirituality within your lives. And if you've got your phone with you everywhere you go, um, so you might, might as well make use of it. Download the right apps like this app, inshallah, uh, to help you bring the Quran into your life. Barakalafiq, thank you so much, inshallah. We hope to maybe have you back on soon to update us uh, the, the, the crazier stats, inshallah, as to how people have come together inshallah. to recite more Quran. And uh, thank you to all of you for tuning in, inshallah. Hopefully, you found this podcast episode beneficial uh, continue to make dua for us in this uh, blessed month of ramadan inshallah make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel make sure you subscribe to us on itunes as well spread the word make dua and we'll be back with you very soon take care assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh